Welcome to Ladies Roadmap to Living Ageless. I'm Joe Jamie Tyler. And I'm Lana Helda. We're bringing you a community of modern age women and experts to share their stories of wellness, lifestyle, and experience on how you too can live a healthier, more vibrant life. And we're not just all talk, Lana. No, Jamie, we are self-proclaimed, lifetime self-care, soul-seeking junkies, and we're demonstrating the power of reinvention as we take to the road in this fabulous tour bus, proving age is irrelevant. Hello, ladies. We are in Los Angeles, California today with the fabulous comedian, Wendy Hammers. And today we're going to talk about how to stay funny when life throws you tomatoes. But first of all, Wendy Hammers loves to act, but mostly Wendy loves to act up. And I took this next bit right off one of the uh, websites, but it's just perfect. And, and there it says, here's some of the damage she's done so far. She's confused <laughs> Tony on The Sopranos, annoyed Larry on Curb Your Enthusiasm, pissed off Bernie on the Bernie Mac show, murdered her lesbian girlfriend played by Kathy Griffin in a slasher movie called The Unborn. And she, as a comic, she has teased Oprah in the daytime and made Craig Ferguson laugh at night. So welcome, Wendy. I couldn't have said that better or written it myself. Well, thank you. Glad to be here with you wonderful women. Well, we we are just truly excited about you. Yes, and as a matter of fact, right before you came on, we we went on the YouTube and we just watched your video with Craig Ferguson on Late Night Show. He's so adorable. What a nice guy. Ladies, she's hilarious. You were hilarious. Thank you. Thank you. He was lovely. He made me really feel special. I'm sure he does this with everyone on the show, but he wrote me the most beautiful letter backstage and said, love, Craig. And I was and at the time, I remember he was dating Sharon Stone at the time. It's like, oh my God, he's oh been so God. cute. But he's, he was, he's a nice man and he's a very talented guy. And that's so. what anybody that's a good person or a good business person does. So kudos to him. I exactly. like the idea of a handwritten thank you note. That's something we all need to be doing, don't you? I know. And boy, it's welcome now more than ever with all of the un- other kinds of communication we have. It's so much more personal. I agree. Yeah. I love well, that. You were just so funny, and we were just wondering, were you born with like a funny gene, or is this something you developed over the years? I don't know. I don't know if I was born with a funny gene. I know I was born with a desire to be connected to other people gene and a need to, whether it's on stage or in life, feel like there's a party going on, that there's community. My mother loves to tell the story. I was born in, on the East Coast in New York, and when I was a little girl, she used to take me to Central Park. Uh, you know, that's where that was our our local park was Central Park in Manhattan. And she would walk around in the baby carriage and all the other babies would be sleeping. And I would be up before I even had words, waving, talking, blowing kisses like I was running for mayor when I was a, a baby because I already <laughs> wanted to be like, hi, everybody. What are you doing? Let's be friends. So that was always there. I think the funny is... I don't know if you could teach people to be funny, but I think that's something that's been refined and developed as I've gotten older and as I became a professional performer and did my, what they call 10,000 hours. I've been on stage as a comic over 10,000 hours. And so I think that develops, but I think people all need a sense of humor to live in this world, especially right now. There's so many things that are absurd in our lives. Every day, if you open the news, the local news, the national news, and just the craziness of life. And if we have this thing that allows us to have a little perspective, it really helps you get through the day. 
Well, you were originally, you were an actress. Yes. And you went to NYU. Please do that little that little part of the NYU. Oh, well, I did go to NYU. It wasn't until after I graduated that I discovered uh, NYU stands for now you're unemployed, which is a big surprise <laughs> for me. And here I am with the ladies on the road show. Um, <laughs> I love it. Well, now stand-up comedy just sounds like one of the most nerve-wracking things <laughs> a person could ever do. No, accounting. Do accounting acting? and welding. They are harder. Maybe. I do not want to do those things. Well, I, you know, I've, I've, I've met a lot of people that have said that uh, over the years. I've, I, I think it's just because so many, in so many professions, uh, we have to be appropriate and uh, politically correct and not hurt others' feelings. And I get paid to do all of the opposite of that. I get paid to say what I'm really thinking. And so I think funny. a lot of people admire that because they wish they could do that. But if they did that at their job, they'd get fired. Right. So, well, do you have any, you know, do you get nervous though before a show? Do you have any like pre-show pre, pre rituals? Um, okay. So two good questions. Uh, do I get nervous? I get nervous before live performances, but you know, they say, uh, I've heard a scientific, you know, sort of analysis that you, um, excitement and nerves physiologically feel very similar in the body. So if you think you're scared or nervous for something, just tell yourself you're excited. Because they're very similar. The way you feel, you get sweaty, you get sh a little shaky, you get a little. In Jewish, we say uh, shpilkis, which means your stomach nervous energy, or you know. But uh, and do I have appreciate rituals? I yeah. do have one ritual that I love to do before every live, before I do my one woman show. Uh, I before I go out on stage. This was taught to me by a wonderful actor named Chas Palmentieri. If you've ever seen a Bronx Tale or. What would people know him from? He did a show and that became very successful and became a movie with Robert De Niro. And now it's on Broadway as a musical. And he and I had worked with the same director. And before we went out on stage, Mark told both of us, it's actually Mark Travis that said this. He said, when you go out on stage, I want you to go out and tell your story like it is the first time you ever get to tell it, ever. You never told this before. It's brand new. The audience is hearing it for the first time and it's all exciting and wonderful. And also... Tell it like it's the last time you ever get to say it. Like if you never could talk to people again and you were going to speak from your heart, this is your moment. Don't miss it. Don't save it for next week's performance. There is no next week. There's only this moment. And I think if you really stay in the moment, you focus on your breath, you will be less nervous because you're just, oh, I'm just breathing in and out. So everything else can work out after that. You know? Yeah, that's great advice. Yeah. Well, I see you You also wrote a show called The Hungry and Horny Show. I wrote it for um, people, uh, if you've ever been hungry or horny or both at the same time. That's probably most of your audience. Uh, but yes, that show was written. Uh, I created that show with two other women, a hilarious comedian named Lori Allen who is on Spongebob and lots of other shows and commercials, big voiceover person, and a woman named Marianne Coran. Marianne's a, also terrific a talent and has a morning radio show in Cincinnati uh, until very recently with her husband, Bob Goen. Remember Bob Goen? He was like the first guy on Entertainment Tonight, the first big host. Anyhow, oh, yeah. we created... We created this show, oh, Bob Goen. So her name is Marianne Coran. Marianne and Lori, Marianne and, Lori and I created this show and we just thought about the concept of hunger, all the hungers. We all know about physical hunger. We all know about, you know, menopausal chocolate. We all know about, I need to have Chinese food at three o'clock in the morning because I broke up with my boyfriend or haagen or whatever it is. But what about emotional hunger and spiritual hunger and body hunger and brain hunger? And we started exploring all the different ways a woman can be hungry. 
And they're not all bad. A lot of times your body is trying to tell you, you need something. I find when I'm in the middle of a creative process, I have less physical hunger because that hunger is being fed by something else. Interesting. Maybe that's yeah. why maybe that's why we kind of lose weight because I was saying to Jamie when when we're working and we're going You're, really hard and yeah. moving and we're doing all our shows, I tend to lose weight yes. and I'm not trying to, but it's You're in the zone. Yeah, you're in the zone and I think it burns those calories. So I, where I was so this hungry horny show is it something we can see or Oh gosh, it's such a good question. Well, um, we're not doing it at the moment. It was a sketch comedy show and um if we do it again, I'll let you know. I, th- I think the closest thing to it right now is I've created something that I've been doing for the past 16 years called Tasty Words. And it has its own website, tastywords.com. And they are a collection of stories, men and women, telling stories on a given theme. And so sometimes we do things that are sexy. Sometimes they're always funny. I think that this world needs humor all day long. And so I'm always creating places for people to do funny stories uh, but that's the closest thing I'm doing right now to, to Hungry and Horny is Tasty Words. And uh, we have a show coming up. Can I say, can I mention that? We have a oh, show. please. Yes. We have a show coming up April 10th. And it is, the theme is, um, you'll never guess who I ran into. And it is people, places, and things that showed up in people's lives when they least expected it. And they are funny and moving stories. It's a live show. It's happening in Santa Monica on Wednesday, April 10th. Um, I don't know if you do this on your show, but I'd be happy to give a pair of tickets to, if you have a listener that wants them, they can sure. let you know. We'd love um, that. and I would love you ladies to come. It's going to be really fun. But one of the performers, a lot of your listeners will know he's a wonderful actor by the name of Stephen Tobolowsky. And he's been in probably 200 movies. Uh, he was on Glee and 24 and he was in Mississippi burning and you would know him from Groundhog Day. He was the insurance guy who kept showing up. Ned Ryerson. So anyhow, he's on the show telling a great story and I have a Grammy award winning songwriter and I have, I have like seven different performers and it's going to be amazing. So I Too hope fun. Everybody- now what about the one woman show you were just ripe? In? Yeah. So I have a one woman show uh, called ripe, uh, ripe as in a juicy peach. And I like to say that if you think about a peach, think about a peach and how pretty it looks, you know, with its orange and yellow and sort of pink is pinkish colors. But if you have a peach that isn't ripe, it's terrible. Even though it looks pretty, it doesn't have any flavor because it's not seasoned yet. It hasn't come into its own. And I think that is very true for women as well. And women in their 50s and 60s are seasoned. They have lived to tell the tale, right? We've all been through a couple of things. Our hearts have been broken. We've broken a couple of hearts. We made some really good choices and many more bad ones. And we're still here. (laughs) So that's right. And so we're ripe, we're ripe peaches. And I I think women in their 20s and 30s are just just figuring it out. And not to say that when you you hit 50 or 60, you've got it all figured out. Because I think when you've got life all figured out, then you're done. Then you might as well be dead. I mean, it's an on, right? Wouldn't you say it's an ongoing? We yeah. talk, it's that whole reinvention and keeping yourself excited and passionate about life. And Absolutely. without that, it's hard to find joy in anything. And right. you know, that just, that segues me um, beautifully into the fact that you have been through a lot, Wendy. Yeah. And you experienced something that when you told me was really overwhelming mm-hmm. Tell us, can you so let me Let me tell you what happened and I'm going to tell you a tiny bit more about the play because it's all connected. Um, several years ago, now it's 16 years ago, 
a dear, dear friend of mine, one of the funniest people I've ever met in my life, comedian named Judy Toll. She was an original member of the Groundlings Improv Company. She wrote a movie called Casual Sex with Andrew Dice Clay. She was a writer on Sex in the City. She was just and joyful and adorable and full of love and life. And everybody loved Judy. And Judy got cancer. She got um, skin cancer and then it spread to different parts of her body. And she fought it uh, for six years, but ultimately it took her life. And after she died, I decided I was going to make a play that would be a Valentine for her. And it was for selfish reasons because I wanted people to know her, who she was, and I wanted to feel like she was still with me. And I knew if I got to get on stage and talk about her, then she could still be with me. So I wrote this play called Ripe, which at its core has a very simple message. And the message is this. Life is really, 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 really short. So celebrate it while you can in the body that you have right now at the age you are today. And I proceeded to tour the country with this play. And I did six cities and people were moved. And I thought I had written the show for women in their 50s and 60s. But many of them said, if you could get this in front of 20-year-olds, you could spare them 30 years of shaming their bodies and being feeling bad about themselves. And so this is for all people, but especially for all women. And in the middle of the tour, after I had done Seattle and Florida and Minneapolis and Hawaii and all these great places, um, <laughs> two things happened. The woman who I had worked with to develop the play uh, passed away. She got cancer and she got sick and she died in a very quick period of time. A lovely woman named Karen Oschenbach, who without whom I would not have ripe, the play would not exist without her. And then shortly after that, I was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Uh-huh. And I was like, what? I mean, come on, people. I didn't even know where my pancreas was. I'm like, you can't get cancer, a part of your body you don't know exists. Uh, But sure enough, I was diagnosed, I got it, and I spent what I call my 11 and a half month dance with cancer, uh, 12 rounds of chemo, an eight-hour surgery called the Whipple procedure, where maybe you ladies are old enough to know who Mr. Whipple was from Please Don't Squeeze the Charmin. Remember Mr. Right. Sharman? Oh, yes, we do. So they said, okay, you're going to have the Whipple procedure. And I thought some guy was just going to tickle me. I had no idea. They were going to open my entire body, take out my pancreas, cut off half of it. And um, I, I'm not a medical professional. I think they dry cleaned it. I'm not quite sure what they did. But they something, then they <laughs> put it back God, in my body though. and sewed me back up. And uh, in May of this year, God willing, I will be three years pancreatic cancer free. How I mean, cool is that? That's unbelievable. Right? And I got what I call it a do-over on my life a second shot and cancer is a a gift and a lesson. People hate hearing that, but it really is. And it's a pause button because I probably like you ladies move um, pretty quickly in my life. And I had one year when I had cancer where I didn't move quickly and I was forced to slow down and review my entire life and see where was I on track and moving forward from here, where wasn't I and what did I need to change so I could have the kind of life that I wanted And if I was going to get through cancer and come out the other side, I didn't want my same life back. I wanted a bigger life, not only for myself, but for the people that I love. So that was my whole focus. The whole time I was going through cancer, I kept thinking, what is my life going to look like on the other side of the cancer? And And I was so busy visualizing that, that I never really was scared. I I swear to you, there was not one day where I thought I was going to die. But that visualization is so powerful. And, And now... I am sure that you wake up every day in a very different state than than 
than a lot of people and then that you may have in the past? Yeah. I mean, a couple of things about that. Yes, I do. That is definitely true. I, I do not take a day for granted. I know how lucky I am to be here. I really know that. I am in six percentile. 94% of the people who have what I had uh, do not see five years. And so I'm in the six percentile. I don't think about those numbers very often. I think about you know things like wanting to love my husband and watch my son grow up and be with my friends and do my work in the world. But um, I go to my checkups. I do everything that I need to do. But uh, I always was an optimist and I always had a really pretty positive attitude towards life. And many people said to me, why would you get cancer, Wendy? You already know the things that people learn when they get cancer. You already have a good attitude. You already don't take life for granted. You already know it's a gift. You also don't smoke and drink and do drugs and you don't eat garbage and you exercise. My husband said, how come you eat kale and go to yoga and I have martinis and steak and you got cancer? And ultimately, the only answer I could come up with was, I guess there were certain things that I needed to look at that I wouldn't have looked at any other way. Because if I could have learned these lessons without the cancer, trust me, I would have opted out of the cancer. If you can't avoid it, I don't recommend the cancer. I really don't. I'm like just saying, if you're thinking about things to do in life, going to Greece, uh, go disco dancing, you know, there are things that seem more appealing than just the cancer. But that is what showed up in my life. So every day for a year, I would lie on my back because the pain in my body was so big that I couldn't lie on my side like this. And I would stare up at the ceiling and I would say, okay, cancer, you're my teacher. What do you have for me today? Mm. What are you here to teach me? And that's how I got through it. And also so much love, so much love in my life in the forms of hugs and kisses and chicken soup and meatloaf and massage oil and people just, people couldn't do enough loving things. I really think the cancer was like, forget this. It's too hard. (laughs) This woman, she's so happy. I'm going to go bother somebody else, you know? I feel like cancer and I broke up. We weren't a good <laughs> so fit. So glad. Yeah, me too. We tried to make it work. We wanted different things. I wanted to throw parties. The cancer wanted to throw up. It was not going to work. <laughs> so that was that. You Your know? attitude is so refreshing. It's just oh. unbelievable. Well, what? people said to me about, you know, they said, oh, you have such a good attitude. And I don't think I can say this word on the air, but I'll say a different word. I said, well, if I thought having a crappy attitude would help, I would try that. But I don't <laughs> think it's going to work for me. So no, I'm no. sorry, you were going to say, you know, I'm just, I was, you were just mentioning that this was this time to stop and reflect and take a pause and make this life to be bigger. I would love to hear what that looked like. What does that look? What did that sound like? Okay. First of all, I want to say that there were two women that were instrumental in my recovery. And one of them is a woman named Marissa Harris. She is a health coach, cancer coach. who's based in New York, 18, maybe 19 years ago. Now she was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. And eight doctors at Sloan Kettering sat her down and said, we're so sorry to tell you this, but um, we can't help you. We have no way to help you get your affairs in order. And she said, I'm so sorry to tell you, I can't die. I have to dance at my daughter's wedding someday. So she proceeded to do everything Western and everything Eastern. In other words, all the traditional and all the alternative stuff that made sense to her. And she's still alive and well. And that's 19 years later from stage four pancreatic cancer. So I hired her to coach me and I worked with her every week. And she turned me on to a woman named Mary Morrissey, who I would recommend to everybody listening to this podcast, whether you're sick or not. Um, And she has a series called Dream Builders. And it's a series to work. It's a a series of, um, you listen to tapes and you do writing assignments and it's all visualization. Just what you had mentioned earlier. It's all about, 
um, you know, shaping the life that you want, building and creating the life that you want, understanding that the position you're in right now is just a circumstance. So cancer was a circumstance. I wasn't cancer. I didn't even like saying I had cancer. I just thought I have this thing right now in my life. It's temporary. This too shall pass. But while it's here, it's my teacher. And I'm going to do this dance with it as long as it's here and learn what I can learn. And what it looked like was your question about what it looked like in terms of affirmation or how do you mean? Like what? Well, you just kept saying that you, now you were going to live your life bigger. Ah, so great. So a lot of the work I was doing professionally before I got sick was about supporting other artists. I was running a writing workshop for 15 years called Write at Home, which I invented when I went through a divorce and I was uh, had uh, primary custody of my little child. And before that, I had been traveling on the road as a comic. Well, now I couldn't travel and I had this little boy. So what was I going to do? So I started with four people in my living room and I built a writing business. And then that became a big business for 15, 16 years. And it was wonderful and it served and helped my life. And I helped a lot of people. And I was grateful for all of that. And I don't regret any of it. But I got backburnered in my own creative process. And I became, uh, there's an expression, shadow artist is the term that some people use. When you are around other creative people and lifting them up so that you don't have to do your own. Mm-hmm. So I, it was the only thing in my life that was missing. I'm in a gorgeous relationship with the love of my life. I have an amazing son. I have a beautiful community of friends and family. I thought, what is missing from my life? Like You wanted to be an actor since you were five years old. And where did that go? And so I'm now doing the craziest thing. I am 58 years old and I am pursuing my acting career, a career that eluded me for decades and that I left behind. And the big joke in LA is, you know, show business is so hard. Everybody knows that. You always hear that. When I got through the cancer, I had people say to me, you're a rock star, Wendy. You could do anything you want. And I say, well, what I really want to do is act. And they would go, oh, no, you can't do that. That's too hard. (laughs) I mean, cancer is one thing, but show business is really freaking hard. So even people think you can get through cancer, you can't do this. I but know I don't care. Do. I don't care because I'm not supposed to be alive right now. So all bets are off. So my right. what I want to do anyhow. Right. That's so great. Well, what about now? You mentioned the other day when we were chatting for just a minute, and if you're willing to talk about it, you said you have an accountability partner that you talk to I do. every week. Are my you, buddy you John John Ciccolini. My friend John is a wonderful actor and a fantastic singer. Uh, And he has a one-man show called Frank Sinatra Screwed Up My Life, Confessions of a Romance Addict. And I helped him develop this show years ago and he performs it all over over the country, but now he's doing it in LA and other places. Um, And he's just wonderful. And we talk every Monday and sometimes we talk for a half an hour, but we always talk an an hour or less. And we talk about what we're going to do this week and what we said we were going to do last week. And the things we said we're going to do last week that we did, we go, yay. And the things we didn't do, we decide if we still need to pursue them or they go off the list. It's so simple and it doesn't cost anybody a dime. We just show up for each other and we check in sometimes during the week, but sometimes we don't. But sure enough, that next Monday, we're back on the phone going, okay, what this, what's this week going to look like? Again, with this idea of visualizing, Monday morning, do you wake up and go, oh, it's Monday, mm-hmm. got another week ahead of me. I can't believe I'm going to get out of bed. Or do but you then go, I call oh, Joe my Jamie. God. Excuse me? <laughs> and then I call Joe Jamie and we get... <laughs> exactly. You're, you are each other's accountability partners. We are. Absolutely. Whether you like it or not, you're stuck together. Well, <laughs> we talk about it a lot. We, that's something that we talk about. And we have shows where we talk about the importance of it and how it can help you. So you're just confirming that for us. It's the greatest thing. So, and it's so simple. It's like, I, you know, we sit, everybody has self-talk. 
a lot of people listening to the show are thinking in their head, oh, I'm an idiot. Oh, I need to lose five pounds. Oh, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Those are, those are affirmations. They're negative affirmations, but people are saying them all the time. So sometimes people say, well, I don't believe in affirmations. It's too California. It's too woo-woo. It's not for me. I'm like, okay, well, what kind of, what do you say? If you're not willing to say, I'm wonderful and fantastic and I'm going to have a great life today, what do you say? They go, I don't say anything. I go, oh, so when you're driving the car, you don't think things in your head, negative things? And they go, oh, yeah, I do that. So <laughs> you make a choice. What, what do you yeah. want to feed your, your brain? Well, it's you know? been proven. I mean, the self-talk is can make or break you. And we all do it. We're all hard on ourselves. Yes. I just want to say something a little trivial, but I just want, this is a perfect segue for it. I noticed that you have let your hair go gray. <laughs> I just want to tell you, I used to be, I still am. I am an image consultant. I work with women all the time. That's a huge choice, both inside and out. But what makes Okay. You, I'm so grateful I did it. So I like, to, I like to call this my 50 shades of gray hair. Silver is the new black. You're not even seeing it on a great day. It usually looks like this. Let's see. Let's see. I mean, look, it's gorgeous oh, hair. You guys. Oh, better. I have a lot look of Look at hair. that. It's fabulous hair. It's, it's, my, it's my Jufro. Yeah, it's a lot fabulous of hair. <laughs> Thanks. So, okay. So here's the deal with my hair. Wait, hold on. Having technical difficulties. Okay. okay. You can I'm see back. We're back. Okay. On our YouTube so, channel. Okay, so. You can hear me. Okay. What I was saying is, um, like most women in this country, I colored my hair for a long time. I got my first gray hair when I was 29. I colored my hair for 24 years. I like to say I could have bought two really good houses with what I spent on my head. Really good houses. Yes. And then about four years ago, right before the cancer, I had no idea I was going to get cancer. I had gone from, you know, in my 20s, I color my hair every 10 weeks. And then my 30s, every eight weeks. And then in my 40s, it was every six weeks. And then in my 50s, it was every three weeks. And then I got to a point where I remember I was at a, going to get my hair done, fancy salon in Brentwood. I was driving out of the parking lot and there was a gray hair. I just gotten out of the, out of the salon. The hair was going, aha, I see you. And it was like the hair was trying to tell me something. Here I am, I'm doing this play about be your authentic self, you know, trust yourself. And I'm having fake hair. So and what I'm saying oh, no. here is not for everybody. No, <laughs> no, because I think if people want to color their hair, they should. I think it's great. For me, it no longer felt accurate. It didn't, it didn't match what I believed in my heart, which was, I'm glad I'm older. I don't want to be 20 or 30 or 40 again. I really don't. I want to be the best version I can be of where I am right now. And so I just decided I was going to stop coloring my hair. And I call it my 50 shades of gray hair. Silver is the new black phase. Well, and it looks amazing. basically, thank you. Basically people are like, well, how do you do it? Because you're going to have that skunk thing in the middle. So I put purple in it for a while and the purple faded to gray, but you know, people make plans and God just laughs because just when I got my hair exactly where I wanted it, I got cancer and I yes, lost half of it. But anyhow. Yeah. I was going to say, did you lose it? You this did. is brand new, brand new hair. Like <laughs> my Jufro, my Justafarian. It's no, my it giant hair. Like, it doesn't look like that. It looks like just a big head of fabulous hair. Thank for, you. For it's, certain. It's, so it's give us hair. a little. Give us a little path down your or or look down the path that you're taking toward your acting now. What do okay. you do to make that happen? So yes. So at the moment, um, I just got cast in a play that I'm excited about called Old Jews Telling Jokes, which <laughs> started as a website. Somebody wrote this play based on the website. It ran off Broadway for a year, then they did it in Florida. And now they're doing it in LA and then Dallas and Phoenix. 
And I'm so excited because uh, apparently I'm an old Jew, although I think I'm 14 and I know I can tell jokes. So I'm good. So we start rehearsals in April and we open April 25th at the Colony Theater, a uh, beautiful theater, seven shows a week. Um, but mostly what it looks like is I'm showing up and saying yes to what I'm really drawn to. So uh, Shonda Rhimes, you know, Shonda Rhimes, the producer, oh, yeah. Grey's, Ana- Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. And many, yeah, many shows many she's created. Mm-hmm. She wrote a book called The Year of Saying Yes. And I keep saying this is my year of saying no. What I mean by that is I'm saying no to a lot of things so I can say yes to the things that really call to me. So I'm we call doing it this, the, this we month call I'm doing three velvet, little, what's red, it? We call it the red velvet rope. What does that mean? Well, you're putting up your red velvet rope. <gasps> oh, yes. The things that you want to do versus you're push, pushing out the things that That's you great. Do. It yeah. goes back to the disco days when they would let only a few people in. <laughs> That's right. So I let in the ideas and the projects and the people and the values that call to me. And you do have to say no to a lot of things to say yes to those things because every day we make thousands of choices. Everything's a choice. I have to ch- decide whether I'm going to cross my left leg over my right leg or my right leg over my, like, you don't even think about it. I'm breathing in and out. I have a choice to touch my hair, to look at you. To, so everything's a choice. And I, um, I'm very much focused on the acting. This month alone, I'm shooting like three or four little movies. And there, some of them will be web series. Some of them will be feature films. There'll be little tiny parts. They'll make, they'll send me a little money and you may never see any of them. For right now, for me, I just had to get back into the, the pool, back into the groove of doing this, getting in front of the camera and being on set a lot. Yeah. So I'm doing that. Um, I just did a live show this week. I'm doing Tasty Words, but mostly just doing projects that I'm excited about. And, and your passion. It's your passion. Yeah. And I'm doing right my one-woman show around the country again. I'm going to Scottsdale. I'm doing a lot of empowerment speaking and combination of that and the performing together. So in uh, summer, I get to go to Kansas, to Wichita, and I get to spend a weekend with 150 women cancer survivors. And we just play together. We dance and we write and I do my play and I talk to them. Uh, I'm going to Scottsdale, Arizona, as I said, in September to do my show at a community center there. Um, and really, and doing some stuff in LA, any place that, that makes sense, you know, where I can share my story. Well, yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing story. And just the fact Thanks. that you're here is amazing in and of itself. And I think you have a lot left to do. Thank you. I think so too. You know, somebody said to me, um, I, they, said, they said, maybe the reason you got sick is because you were strong enough to get sick, get better, and then tell people to wake people up to live their lives and to go for what really matters to you. So yeah. maybe that's true. And I, if, that, if that's the case, then it makes me feel a lot better about having to go through the yucky parts of cancer, which believe me, there were plenty of yucky parts, but I had a lot of community. I didn't do it alone. I would say anybody that's going through it, um, you know, find a support community in your neighborhood, in your community. I was doing a writing workshop at the cancer center, cancer support center every week. Uh, and I surrounded myself with people who were loving. Oh, this is a really good thing. People always say, I don't know what to say to somebody when they're sick. Well, ask them if there's anything that, that you could do for them. Just tell them you're thinking of them. Uh, or maybe just volunteer to drop off things, but don't request anything. Say, oh, I'm going to leave uh, a meatloaf and flowers on your doorstep. Or um, if you, uh, you know, just t- don't ask much of them, but let them know you're there. Uh, and I will say, I asked people if they had good news. I wanted to hear it about pancreatic cancer specifically. I said, anybody you know who survived this illness, send them my way. Any bad news you have, I don't want to hear it. And my friend created a page for me 
a Facebook page that was like a group. And I requested that I wanted pictures of um, hot men, right? <laughs> and cool cats, because I love kittens. So they like kitten, pictures of kittens and pictures of sexy guys. So it was the whole website. That's all it was. I didn't want any bad news. I didn't want to hear about politics, nothing. And uh, one friend, my friend Kelly Carlin, she's so funny. She sends me a picture of um, like a really sexy guy, but he's in Alaska and he's got snow all around him and he's freezing. And then she shows me a picture of a cat that's sweating, that's lying on his back. So she sent me a cold man and a hot cat. She goes, I think I got this wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Too funny, too funny. Well, you've got the, you definitely have the right attitude. And we at Ladies Roadmap to Living Ageless just agree with everything you're doing and saying, and you exemplify all of it. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. And we want you to keep us uh, abreast of the shows you're doing and we will make it to one of your shows for sure. Wonderful. And if anybody wants to learn more, they can certainly go look at my website as well, which is my name, Wendy Hammers. Like if I had a hammer, but a lot of them, hammers, wendyhammers.com. So yes, and I will stay in touch. And thank you for having this platform for women. It's so important. So important. So I'm delighted that you were inspired and followed your nose and did it because so many people have ideas that just end up, you know, on the floor. They just forget about them. They don't honor them. And, um, Well, we actually so, we actually created something called the Ladies Roadmap Journal for women to use, in oh, specifically for women over a certain amazing. age. Oh, all inspiring them because this is the time in their, our life that we have a little space in our life to to reflect. Even if we don't have to have cancer to get this space, we have it. Our kids are gone. We're, you know, we've been married yeah. forever. We've been working forever. We might have this little space. So take it and we life is short. We so agree with you. And do something with it. And you're totally. inspiration. That's why we're here, is we want to share everybody's stories like That's you're right. saying. Mm-hmm. Right. Reminded me of something really important I have to say. My friend Carol Montgomery created a comedy show called Women of a Certain Age. I think it premieres on Showtime this weekend. And it's all comedians over 50, women comedians. Oh, and so fine. people should look for it. Yeah, so women where, of a certain age. Where will it be? I women think it's on Showtime. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Women of a certain age. Yeah, it, oh, it starts this awesome. weekend. So. All right, well, lots of love. All right, thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. Be good to yourselves. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. This episode is brought to you by the Ladies Roadmap Journal. Is your life on autopilot? To Jamie, I think to have excitement in life, you have to stay curious and keep chasing your dreams. Exactly, Lana. And that's why this self-care life planning journal, it's it's unlike any journal you've ever used before. It's so easy and it's a way to get clarity on your thoughts and intentions. Think of it as a way to jumpstart your day or you may want to wind down your day by getting those thoughts rolling around on paper and out of your head. My favorite part is getting clear on the one thing that I want to accomplish today. And I love focusing on my gratitude for the day. That's the feedback we've been getting from the ladies that have been using the journal. They've been sharing on how the journal is affecting their lives in such a positive way. Well, we created this journal because like you, all we want to do is live a fulfilled life and stay ageless in mind and spirit. Watch your life unfold as you align and direct your intentions. To get started today, purchase your life planning journal at ladiesroadmap.com. 
If you want to stay up to date with our five-star podcast, be sure to subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You'll never miss an episode and you'll see our latest tried and true lifestyle products. You can sign up at ladiesroadmap.com. And ladies, if you like our show, please take a minute to subscribe and rate our podcast because it's super important so that other women can easily find the show. You can do it on iTunes or to make it even easier, we've put a link in the show notes on our website.